Have you ever felt frustrated because you just couldn't find a lovely book to read? I can start to crave not just a good book, but a book that draws me in and evokes such a deep emotion that I can say, wow, that was a lovely book. Welcome friends. This is Emmy B on Lovely Books Podcast, where it's my job to highlight the lovely books that keep you reading and connect you to the world. If you're new to Lovely Books, this podcast is more than just a best books podcast. It's about the reader's experience and takeaway. No book reviews, no analysis of literary content, just thoughts and personal anecdotes brought to our minds by the characters and subject matter that we love. That's what brings the book to life for you. I hope we give you something to think about, something to laugh about, and something lovely to read. Okay, we'll just dive right in. In this episode, I'm excited to have Nell. Um, her handle on Instagram is Mama's Gotta Read. And I believe now you actually have, do you do Goodreads or do you have a blog? Do you have something else? Have Goodreads and I have a blog. Yeah, I kind of run the gamut as far as spreading my reviews out. <laughs> so at Mama's Gotta Read, um, she's going to take us through all the reasons why the lovely book, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, was such a memorable book for her. Nell, thank you so much for bringing us a lovely book today. Thank you for having me. Yay. Before we begin, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm a mother of six, um, ranging all the way from an itty-bitty two-year-old to my oldest daughter, 20. Um, I'm first-generation American. Cool. So, yeah, both parents born and raised in Portugal. Cool. Um, I actually didn't read a lick other than, like, required high school reads until... My dear friend, who now lives in Utah, by the way, um, um, she kind of took pity on me and decided to kind of bring me along on her book club. And our very first read was Philippa Gregory. Oh, yeah. And she has some spicy books, but that kind of lured me in and I haven't stopped reading since. Yeah. So, and then I've been reviewing probably since Goodreads was in its infancy. Like, and do you have a particular genre that you usually like to read, or do you find yourself reading like the whole gambit? I read everything. Try to read everything except horror because I just can't handle that. But I'm a historical fiction fan. That's that's my favorite. I can read it till kingdom come. And I love specifically World War II history. Definitely cool. Well, I'm just going to talk to our listeners a little bit about the invisible life of Addie LaRue, specifically um, the author. I love finding out information about authors when I do a podcast, because otherwise I feel like even if it's an author that we love and we follow, we don't always know much about them. So um, the invisible life of Addie LaRue was published in October of 2020. It was a highly anticipated read for the fall. Um, of that year. And it was my first read by V.E. Schwab. Have you read any of her other books before? No, no, that was my first too. Same. And quite frankly, I was surprised after reading Addie LaRue and um, visiting her website afterwards, I was surprised that V.E. is Victoria. I I didn't picture her as, I didn't picture the author as a woman. You didn't? No. I didn't look it up in advance, but I will say every time I see an author with initials, I have noticed that most often, not always, but most often they're females because I've heard, I read some article that they don't want the reader to go in 
assuming that perhaps they're not capable of whatever it is they're writing. So I'm not sure how accurate that is. Maybe she'll, you know? Well, and maybe it is because as I mentioned, like I assumed that VE was a male author. So I was thrilled to read this by Victoria Schwab. Um, So she is a number one New York Times bestselling author of more than a dozen books, including the acclaimed Shades of Magic series, the Villain series, This Savage Song, and Our Dark Duet. I also found on her website and was excited to see that she's written two middle grade books. Oh, fun. Yeah, which are, they're they're definitely fantasy. Yeah, right, right, right. Which my middle grader adores. Yeah, so I was excited to see those. I might have to check those out. Um, Her work has received critical acclaim, been featured in the New York Times, Entertainment Weekly, Washington Post, and more, been translated into more than a dozen languages, and has been optioned for television and film. I haven't heard anything about Addie LaRue being a film, have you? No, but I did hear that. And I think it would be amazing. Oh, it would be so cool. I think it would be really great. Her bio goes on to say that when she's not haunting Paris streets or trudging up the English hillsides, she lives in Edinburgh, Scotland, and is usually tucked in the corner of a coffee shop dreaming up monsters. Cute. Yeah, she sounds really cool. So to start us off with this book, do you want to give us a brief summary of the story of Addie LaRue? This is the story of a young lady who's, I think, hoping for some autonomy in her life. She kind of lives in an era where women have no say over their future, over their um, what they want to do with their life. Because um, we're talking about 17th century France when the book begins. Um, so I think the only way that women were really able to survive as they grew into adults was to become a wife and a mother, mm-hmm. period of the story. Um, so for women who weren't predisposed to this kind of life, who really wanted something more like Addie did, they had no choices and they basically kind of lived in misery, which, you know, they had a sense of desperation, um, their whole, their whole life, which is sad. Um, Unimaginable now. Like, can you imagine? I know. I know. And I think that's why when I hear, you know, people complain about how they don't have this, that, and the other, um, and they're perhaps they're complaining that they ha- they wish they had more freedom um, in certain respects. I always think, but we have come so far, right? And that's not an excuse, certainly, for many of the injustices in the world, right? And I'm not saying that, but I do think that, wow, we have moved mountains since then. You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, and I think it, it said it best in her quote, she said, and this is how she felt, is I do not want to die as I have lived, which is no life at all. So that kind of summed up her perspective. But anyway, so Miss Addie is given the Faustian opportunity to gain some freedom from those constraints. It's a little too late when she realizes what she's actually gone and done. Um, And in wanting that complete freedom, she's cursed with never being remembered by anyone. Towards the middle of the book, um, She'd already lived about 300 years and she encounters one person that remembers her. And we don't know why until you read the story. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love it. So I didn't know what this book was about before I read it. And you mentioned that you hadn't either. Having gone through the book and read it, I find it interesting looking back that the story, and as you mentioned, the story is about um, this curse that comes about after receiving the grant of a wish, basically. And it's that people don't remember her. Right. She gets to live an extended life, 
but nobody ever remembers her. And in thinking about the title, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, why do you think the author used the term invisible versus like forgotten or forgettable or unremembered? You think about invisibility. I think you think about something that is never seen or heard or understood. And really, because she's not remembered within a matter of seconds in some instances, she does become invisible. Like she was never there. And that I think is the invisibility aspect of it. Definitely. And I think emotionally, the word like I feel invisible is a little bit different than I feel like I've forgotten because forgotten means that the experience happened. Right. That you were known. It's, you were seen and heard at some point, right? Yeah, yeah that's true. She's truly gone in their minds. She was never there to begin with, right? Right. So she has these crazy experiences with being invisible as you would. Um, you can't have a home. You can't have a job. You can't have family members. You can't have friends because the second someone turns their back on you, Oof. it's like they're seeing you for the first time. So from from Addie's perspective, what are the best and the worst parts? Are there any good parts about being invisible? I think the loneliness and isolation that would come with being invisible would far supersede any positives that would come of it, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there is certainly the idea of a clean slate all the time. So maybe that's a positive. Yeah. But I think that that would not be worth the emotional toll it would take on someone to never have any kind of relationship ever your entire life. Right. Mm -hmm. And as human beings, that's what we're created for is emotional bonds. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that's what got me so much is that she's, you know, thinking, well, I really, really need to, get out of the situation I'm in. And of course the grass is always greener mm -hmm. um, and she's not understanding the gravitas of what she is undertaking. Right. Absolutely. So, and, and she said too, I, sorry, I love the quote from the book. She said, because happiness is brief and history is lasting in the end, everybody wants to be remembered. So mm -hmm. I, that's so accurate. I think that as human beings are, I think even Oprah said, right, the biggest thing for human beings is to be seen and heard. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's really what forms our bonds, what forms our lives is the ability to communicate and be heard and remembered. And anyway. Yeah. I think one of the big lessons here that um, V.E. Schwab is giving us is that in that need for autonomy and in that desire for auton autonomy, I want to do what I want and have it not... Mm -hmm interfere with anyone. I want to be able to make my own choices and let no one else have a say, um, that there is a really fine line between that desire for autonomy and that feeling of loneliness when you've, you've created a singular life for yourself. Right. Yeah. And I love, I, 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 the biggest part of the book, the most um, fascinating part of, of the book was sort of that dichotomy between the girl who wanted that unencumbered freedom mm -hmm. uh, to live her life as a female without restrictions and, you know, and then a girl that does want to be remembered and have normal human relationships and, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. I, there's a, there's a quote that I marked right here. So a year into the deal she made, yeah. um, she gets her first visit from the deal maker. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's pretty ticked because originally that autonomy and that freedom, I believe she says, well, he, I have a quote here that he specifically said, can I mention it? Yeah, please. It says you ask for time without limit. You want freedom without rule. You want to be untethered. You want to live exactly as you please. He was sort of confirming that that's what she was asking for. Yes. I love that. But then she goes on to say the first time that they meet and she's so angry because she goes to see her best friend and she doesn't recognize her. She goes to see her mother and she doesn't recognize her. And not only do people not recognize her, but they're afraid of her, um, the closeness that she feels towards them They're That's very off putting. Right. Cause right. she's a stranger to them. Yeah. Um, and then she has this confrontation where she says, you know, this isn't what I wanted. And he says, you did not know what you wanted. Right. And yep. I loved that because how often do we just dig our heels in? This is what I want. Mm-hmm. And then in the I, end, and you're like, just kidding. Exactly. And I think, I think that was the main, one of the main points that, the author was trying to get across is that we don't realize the power of our words, right? Mm-hmm. And the power of what we say is really immeasurable. So yes. we need to be very careful in what we choose. And I mean, let's, let's think about the past four years, not to bring a whole lot of that in, but how important is it that what we say uh, brings kindness and respect and brings people together versus, you know, the opposite, which could easily happen. Absolutely. And with, I mean, the amount of use that we put into social media Mm -hmm. and how easy it is to, to say something and have it misconstrued or offend. Right. Yeah. This it's like an ultimately sensitive time right now in terms of what you decide to vocalize and put out as your opinion on something. Absolutely. So I think it's scary. (laughs) So scary, right? As, as reviewers were like, I say this, is it going to, you know, upset someone? So yeah, I'm always very, I try to be very careful about how I um, word my reviews and try not to offend. And especially because I read such a wide array of things. Some people, would think, well, why would she ever read something like that? That goes against everything that I thought she believed, right? Well, I think part of it is we need to be open to everything, understand everything before we can come to any conclusions about what we're, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I loved the writing in this book. I found Mm -hmm. it to be so emotionally charged. Um, I feel like Schwab is really like an expert in this beautiful tragedy. Um, I, I think the books, it leans towards tragic, would you say? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's an element at the end where there's some redemption, but, um, ultimately, yes, it's a tragic tale. And I think a lot of times when we're reading tragedy, it cannot, it can, it can, um, weigh heavily into gritty, um, where it's, it's an ugly, messy tragedy. And I found this story to be so beautifully written and to have so much um, sort of philosophical depth. Right. I agree. I didn't ever feel like even in her suffering that as a reader, I felt hold down in like the mire of her misery. 
I think I felt her emotion. I felt, but I also felt her triumphs. And I think she did a good job in balancing the two because she wrote it in such a way that it was, you know, this long drawn out saga. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people had issue with that. I think that she was very purposeful in that. Right. So, and as you're going through it, she, for me, it enabled me to feel like, oh, wow, I'm so blessed that I have this option. I'm so Mm -hmm. blessed that I have that option, you know, and sure, the idea of complete freedom sounds wonderful, but when you really get down into it, you're giving up, you know? Definitely. So yeah, she did that magnificently. And I felt like I was in the life with Addie the entire time. Definitely. Um, it was a long book, right? But it Oh, was. yeah. It was a long book. And you, of course, you have the dual timeline. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yep. Um, and one of the timelines was a little bit, stayed in the same year and was a little bit quicker paced than the other. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I, I thought it was absolutely wonderful. Um, I want to talk for a second about this idea of if you know you're going to sort of live for an extended period of time and you don't have to be quagmired down with the worries of the day. Um, is it a blessing or a curse to not have to worry about anything, but the momentary, your momentary suffering and your momentary needs without ever having to look to the future for your survival? What do you think about that? I I think personally, the thought of infinity is really overwhelming to me. You know, and even if we talk about, you know, everlasting life, even in the context of religion or what have you, you know, I, we're supposed to be thrilled with the concept and all that. It's a bit terrifying to me, if I'm, if I'm just being honest. Yeah. So I think that, and, and it took Addie a very long time to become accustomed to this new reality for her too. Personally, I, I would never... I would never change what I've been through and what I'm going through Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, every step of life has sort of brought me to where I am. And, and I know that sort of the ugliness and the messiness and the, you know, things you'd rather not have happen um, can bring you down. But by the same token, isn't that what makes life beautiful too? Yeah. because you can't have the light without the dark, right? We've heard that. Well, and you can't appreciate the finite amount of time that we actually have in this life, or maybe you don't appreciate until you have the prospect um, in front of you of the infinite. Yeah, I don't think, I think in the book, one of the parts that really got me, it really affected me was when she lost the very last piece of her old life. I won't say it because I don't want to give that up. Um, and she was devastated and I was so devastated with her because it suddenly, that was the only link to who she was. And now she really nobody, truly. Mm -hmm. And, um, and she, and it, it even said that, um, the last brittle thread to her old life was broken and Addie has been set well and truly and forcibly free. She had no option and it was gone and it was so striking, like, oh, this is it, you know, so 
I don't know. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> definitely. definitely. <laughs> um, so Addie meets someone um, at a bookshop and their reaction to her is not the same as what she has previously encountered. Mm-hmm. And um, we come to find out that there's another character in the book who's made a deal similar to Addie's, um, but for something different. And these two deals kind of um, one of is for an, uh, an, an unknown amount of life. One is for a very set amount of life. Um, one is for having no one remember you. And one is for having people adore you. And the, there's downsides to both of these deals. And I think that that contrast between the two storylines that we have going on also gave us like an opportunity as readers to see, no, I wouldn't wish to to have this infinite period of time or have a set amount of time that I could make the most of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you think? I think that gave the reader the ability to sort of assess human nature and where you stand. Because when you think of those two things, you think of the true fragility of humanity in general, right? Mm -hmm. Um, How shallow a human being can be and how fickle, perhaps. Um, And so I think these type of novels kind of make me reflect on how blessed I truly am personally. through someone else's mistakes, which is always the best way, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't have to go through it, but we're thinking, oh man, you really screwed up. Right. <laughs> so um, I just think that I, and seeing both of those, I would never want either one, first of all. And mm-hmm. secondly, I am thrilled with the fact that I've been given this big, beautiful, messy, you know, life that has all kinds of twists and turns, but that I get to enjoy with the people I love around me. And that's, I think the biggest thing. Do you think with, um, if we were to try and, and guess what the E. Schwab's intention was with, with the psychology in this book, what do you think her message was and what insights do you think she intended to leave with the reader I mean, much along those lines that you just mentioned, I feel like that's really a message that she wanted to share with us. What are your thoughts? I think that she was trying to get across definitely that. Be careful what you wish for. Mm -hmm. Be grateful for what you have. But also that life is so short in the scheme of things. And you're reading this long saga and, you know, it just seems like, gosh, it's literally an eternity, right? And you think of your own life and it's just this little blip on radar, you know, mm-hmm. as are, you know, the, the issues that we face in life or the, you know, things that we'd rather not be going through really, they're a little blip. And so, um, she quotes, it says blink and a year is gone blink and five more follow. And isn't that the truth? I think, especially as parents, we see that we're like, suddenly we're like, how are they adults? You know, when did that happen? Um, So I think that 
is one of the key things. I think I mentioned before that she wanted to re- uh, readers to recognize the power of words um, and how you really do need to be careful with what you say. Um, and that life is just precious. So that's personally what I think. <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. Another thing that I really um, thought of when I read this book is this idea that these, when we're in the depths of these heavy moments, mm-hmm. we let the emotion drive our narrative. Right? Yep. Yep. For sure. And this, I mean, we talked about this a minute ago as well. Like, I just don't think you should ever say or write something in the heat of the moment. Oh, that's so funny. You say that someone just shared a quote with me just yesterday. Never trust your tongue when your heart is bitter. Hush until you heal. That's great advice. Right? And isn't that sort of the epitome of what she did is in this moment of pure desperation of just, I need to get out of this situation. Anything will, that will fix this, I will take and, and look what happened. Right. Right. And inside the front cover, it says, never pray to the gods that answer after dark. I love that. (laughs) And that's, that's part of the reason that it kind of terrified me when I started reading it. I was like, this is not my book. I am not going to like this book. I don't know. I I don't read this kind of thing, but it was, it was so well done. And she really turned that whole sort of evil and fearful thing around and made you feel like, wow, you know, we've got a pretty good deal here, you know? Mm -hmm. So good look at the best and worst of human nature. I mean, Mm -hmm. so great. Well, I do like to give my guests an opportunity to leave a recommendation of another book that you have read recently or read a while back that you have loved and something that you want to share. Do you have any faves this year yet? First of all, shout out any Amy Harmon book is a five star in my opinion. So I've, you know, definitely loved all her books. Um, She had the songbook of Benny Lament. I think you actually already did a podcast on that and um, was fantastic. So that's one, but also um, the Rose Code by Kate Quinn was fabulous. I have not read that yet. Oh, girl, run. It is so good. She did such a fantastic job. I mean, it had historical fiction. It had a love story. It had, um, you know, girl power. It was beautiful. Yeah. So that was a really good one. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me today. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Yes. And if you enjoyed um, Mama's Gotta Reads Insights, please make sure that you check out her Instagram and her Goodreads and you can hear some more um, reviews and information on books that she has loved. And lovely books will keep coming to you every other Friday. So if you like what you heard today, please remember to comment, like, subscribe, and leave us a rating. They help us become more visible and let more listeners hear about our podcast. So I hope you have a fantastic couple of weeks reading and we'll join you again in two Fridays when we highlight another lovely book.